program. And as I always say that if you want to keep your kids here, that's great with us too. Uh, whatever you'd like to do as parents, we support you. So we have the awesome privilege of a few moments here together to look at the Word of God. And we are looking at the Gospel of Mark. We're working our way through it, passage by passage. And we're up to chapter 8, finally. We spent several weeks in chapter 7. And we, so we come to chapter 8. And my title is, Let's Try This Again. And if you think about it, those are some of the best words you can ever hear. After you've made a mess of things, rather than saying, you know, just pack your bags and get out of here. Quit. Resign. Leave. Uh, Jesus comes to us today and says, really, you know, let's try this again, guys. Let's work this time one more time. And, and as we'll find at the end of the story, he's going to have to say, let's try this again, <laughs> again, uh, at the end of the story. We come to the feeding of the 4,000 in Mark 8, 1 through 10. And of course, the interesting thing is, back in chapter 6, we had the feeding of the 5,000. I, I won't make this point too uh, dramatically. I've, I've said it several times, but also, I love to say this because it's so cool. When it says 5,000, it, it clearly says 5,000 men, and they didn't count the women and children. So it's just a nice round number, around 5,000, but it was probably more like 15,000 or 20 even. Uh, you think, well, they had a biblical-sized family. Yeah, they had biblical-sized families back then, lots of kids. And this is the same for this story. At the end of the story, it'll say that he's, he fed 4,000 people, you see in Mark 8, 9. But Matthew records the same event uh, in chapter 15 of Matthew, and he says 4,000 men plus women and children. So once again... Uh, the 4K is uh, its a nice round term, but just think, wow, this is even bigger. This, there's a lot of people here. There's a lot of mothers. There's a lot of kids as well. So this is an amazing, wonderful miracle. Uh, but for the disciples, it's like, wow, didn't, didn't we learn this lesson before? I, I guess we didn't, but it seems like we're having the same, you know, it's like deja vu all over again. Uh, but they symbolize for us so much like us. And that is, we forget the past. We, they didn't seem to learn the lessons at all. So let's try this again. And Mark, Mark uses that word again right in the first few words uh, to uh, clue us in where he's going with this. So Mark 8, verse 1. In those days, when again... A great crowd had gathered, and they had nothing to eat. He called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd, because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way, and some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? 
And he asked them, how many loaves do you have? They said, seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said that these should also, these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. You'll notice more than what they started with. Uh, last time it was 12, this time it's seven baskets full. It actually is a different word for basket. Uh, so they have some technical terms here that we don't really understand. But anyway, verse 9. And there were about 4,000 people, and he sent them away. And immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha. Dalmanutha. Let's pray. Father, we gather here uh, today and we have worshipped you and praised you and uh, your your word today, as we read systematically through the Psalms, uh, has directed our hearts and our heads toward this amazing reality that you are the creator and the redeemer. And both of these things are motivated by your steadfast love. And we are rejoicing in that, that the, the center of all that is, is you, Heavenly Father, a person uh, of love, not, not, a, not an immaterial force, not a, not a non-existent accident, but an a actual person that in this framework, that's where we understand personhood. That's where we experience our personhood because of your creation. And so in this beautiful context, we come to you this day and we ask for your grace and help and that we would, in your, in your work, we would experience your steadfast love through Christ. Amen. All right. Just to narrow it down, there's a lot of themes here that we could pick up on and I already introduced the idea of God's compassion and love being demonstrated in Let's try this again, fellas. Uh, but I want to narrow it down to three points for us today. I'll show you the, the three points that I'm trying to make today. One is compassion. Uh, it is this special Greek word that I've described before. It means guts, or splachna, the inner viscerals. We would say in English, we'd really say, I felt it in my heart. But you might say, I had a gut reaction to something. I saw something that really moved me. And this is a, a potent word. It's not just thrown around in Scripture all over the place. It's used almost exclusively of Jesus. Uh, and, and it's the potent word that gets him going, gets him moving in our text today. So we're going to think a little bit about compassion. And then we're going to think about faith response. God challenges us with overwhelming circumstances, and he keeps challenging us 
wanting us to have a faith response instead of a panic or, or a small looking at things in a small human under the sun context. He wants us to be able to look at it in a bigger context. So compassion, faith response, and then of course God's miraculous supply in this context. So today, let's start with compassion. As I've already introduced the word, splunkna, splunknizamai. Um, compassion is a complex presentation. Uh, this uh, slide shows all these kind of words that uh, come around this word compassion. Uh, it's a response. Jesus looks in this text, he says, hey guys, I have compassion on the crowd. You know, what is our response when we see a bunch of needy people? It's like, what were you people thinking? You know, you should have brought your own food. What, is your crisis my crisis? I'm supposed to respond to something you did stupidly? You know, <laughs> uh, that's not Jesus' response here. It's a beautiful thing. He, he really cares about these people. And they've been with him for three days. And he says, I have compassion because they've been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. They're really hungry. And if I send them to their home, he's worried that they might literally faint on the way. Some of them have come a long way. So somebody said, compassion is a verb. Uh, it's not just an inner response. It's one thing to have an inner response. That's, a, that's where it starts. You know, I, I care for people. But now it's like, okay, what are you going to do? about this? What are, you, what are we going to do about this? Here's a great verse from uh, the Bible. It's Galatians 6.10. So then, watch this, as we have opportunity, God is instructing us to be aware of opportunities to reach out and help people. Jesus is presented with this opportunity. A whole bunch of people on the hillside there. 4,000, you name it. Maybe 8,000, 10,000. And he has an opportunity to do something to meet their needs. And he is going to take action. He has an opportunity. What opportunities does God bring to us? And what's our response to those opportunities? Those people are irritating. They, they created their own problem. We're meeting our needs. I'm not going to help try to meet their needs. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. Okay, that's huge. Who, who, excuse me, who, Lord? <laughs> good to everyone. We should be people who are looking for the opportunities that God is giving us. Do you think God might be giving us opportunities? I think he is. It's good to everyone. And then, then it's, it is interesting where he says, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Uh, there's, a, there's special love that we have for our brothers and sisters that we should be willing to give whatever you need. You know, uh, If you are my brother in Christ, my sister in Christ, I have an obligation to love you and to help you uh, in any way I can. And we shouldn't be looking for ways to not care about people, not to help them, but to extend ourselves and help people. 
It's interesting how people respond to this. Uh, I don't want to make anything too specific, but we've had some issues with this in our church here where the elders decided to help a a family who was in crisis, um, and we gave the husband a lot of work to do. He did great work around here. He, He roofed the parsonage and made the landscape look really good. Uh, he, he, and then, and then, unfortunately, through a series of events, he and his wife became homeless. So at first, we said, "Okay, you can store some of your stuff here." And then, of course, I, I said, "Guys, how about if we let them stay here for a while?" Well, uh, you know, this is kind of scary territory, right? And we did let them stay here, but a particular uh, small group of people thought this was an outrageous thing to do. They were really very upset at us. And they were very unhappy that we allowed this irresponsible family to stay in the building. And they got so angry with us, they left our church. And they drug another family away with them. This happened a couple years ago. They wouldn't listen to what we were trying to say. They they were very upset at us. for. And I thought, well, honestly, I I know it's, it's kind of good to... Maybe I, I don't want to feel good. I want to stand up on the platform and, well, I have compassion and they don't. <laughs> but that's the way I feel. <laughs> I mean, where is our compassion? We weren't hurt at all by helping this family. There was no harm done. <laughs> you know, we were coaching them, working with them, helping them actively find housing and work. And it you know, wasn't going real well, but we kept trying. We kept working with them. Uh, it was a way to have, and, and there was just no compassionate response. And uh, I just wonder if God treated us that way, where would we be, right? Uh, we are, we're 100% responsible for the moral mess we're in. And, and Jesus doesn't say, you made the mess, you clean it up. <sighs> you know why that's so awesome? Because we can't clean it up. <laughs> You know, the only way to clean it up is to suffer separated from God for eternity. You know, we can't pay that price. We need somebody with, with deep pockets better than the federal government. <laughs> you know, we need Jesus Christ, the infinite Son of God, the Lamb of God, to pay for our big, huge, fat, stinking mess that is called sin. So I just you know, say this text should make us feel a little uncomfortable. We should work on being like Jesus, having compassion on the crowd. Don't see them as a massive crowd of unimportant people, but people that we have had been given an opportunity to help. I also want to make one more point here in the text, and I'm going to allow my walrus friend to make that. Uh, He's looking and said, what now? (laughs) <laughs> Jesus has compassion on whom? Uh, that's how a walrus speaks. He uses proper English. I think most walry are uh, probably British. I'm not sure. <laughs> but, but in all seriousness, look, look at the text. Jesus has compassion on whom in the text? Well, it says here, because they have been with me now three days and have had nothing to eat. He has compassion, 
And I would, let's, let's, what I'm driving at is, do you want compassion from Jesus? You know, any right-thinking person would say, sign me up, I'd like to have compassion from Jesus. Well, these people got compassion by being with Jesus. Jesus has compassion on those who have stayed with him. Uh, this is an important word in our text today. It's, uh, the, the root word is, is meno, which means to remain. And they remained with him for these three days. They were connecting, staying, sticking it out, not abandoning Jesus. Uh, they were like enraptured with who he was. You know, to go three days in a fast without food because of the teaching of Jesus is really quite impressive, really quite impressive. Uh, at Christmas time, and in fact, our ladies are studying this, this phrase it, it, from the Bible, Emmanuel, God with us. And that's who Jesus is. See, they're, they're properly enamored. Go back to this little walrus picture. You, you know, do you think this little guy wants to leave his mommy? Yeah, so that's the last, well, he might wander off like a two-year-old would do or something. But, but no, you know, look at those eyes. Come on. He's not leaving the mama, the cow. <laughs> Any one of you want to go up and like take the, the pup away right now, you know, from this walrus, you know, probably weighs, you know, 975 pounds. Uh, she's going to fiercely guard this one who's staying with her. And there's a beauty in that. There's a beauty in that. And, and, and so that God is with us, but this text really asks us the question, are we with him? We believe that Christ is the ultimate presence of God on the earth. He is God. This text says there's a way to experience his compassion, and that is to be with him. Those that go away from him and abandon him, they may not receive his compassion. Uh, but those that are there, those are the ones that, and you know, they're there. It's not like a work they're doing, like they're working to earn his favor. They're there saying, I'm needy. You know who receives help from Jesus? Those who ask for help. You know who receives forgiveness of their sins? Those who admit they are sinners. If, if we come and say, I am overwhelmed by my sin. I am overwhelmed by uh, my past. It haunts me. It, I have, I'm filled with regret, Lord God. In fact, it keeps coming back, this regret. You, you bring it to Jesus. He died for your regrets. He died to cleanse you from sin. He never, never, ever says, you take care of your problems and then come to me and we'll talk about it. <laughs> he always says, come to me uh, with your problems and I will be gracious to you. Uh, turn with me for a moment to John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, chapter 15. I said the root word for they were with Jesus is the little Greek verb meno, M-E-N-O, which means to remain. Very, very important word in the Greek text. Um, and in 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 John 15, we have it abundantly provided for us. It's abide in me and, and I in you. 
Let me read this passage a little bit where Jesus is describing how, how we should be as people. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me. You stay with me. Menno, abide, remain. Don't wander off. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Our, our whole Christian life is to be drawing near to God. Draw near to God. He's with us. We need to draw near to him and depend on him. Um, apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 5, verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, see what I'm saying now, if the folks that gave up and left on day one and said, forget it, I'm going to the Taco Bell, you know, well, <laughs> I can't stand this, it's, he's going on and on too long, or you know, whatever, they lost interest, they left, they went away. They didn't receive the compassion of Jesus because they were gone. They took care of their own needs. Um, and that's what he says here. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. I, I cringe a little bit when using language like that you know, in California today, when the state's uh, on fire in a couple of places. But here it is in the Holy Word of God. Uh, that's what happens uh, to those who wander away from the Savior who's offering salvation. You're going to face it on your own then. You're going to pay for your own faults. Uh, verse 7, if you abide in me, and now he's going to explain a little bit what he means by that. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. That's why we read the text of Scripture. This is the Word of God. This is how we know God. This is how we know the truth about God. Um, I was talking with a man a couple of weeks ago, and he says, I don't really believe the Bible. I, what I really believe is uh, reincarnation. I believe in reincarnation. And it's kind of the same theme of let's try this again, you know, but, but sort of on steroids. <laughs> right? he, he told me that he really believes that the way it all works is you, it's kind of like Groundhog Day, that movie. You, know? you go through life and you make a bunch of mistakes and then you die and then you're reincarnated and you face the same things to try to get it better uh, next time and you keep doing this. This is, of course, Hinduism, essentially. Uh, that you eventually get it right. Well, I'm here to tell you, I'll bear witness that that is not what God tells us in the Bible. The Bible clearly says it's appointed unto man once to die. You're not going to die a thousand times. You're going you're to die once, and after that, the judgment. That's what the Word of God says. But prior to our death, there is that cycle of God gives you this opportunity to grow one more time. It's really kind of why we're still here. If, if when, when we're done, he'll take us away. Uh, and, and praise God, he will complete our salvation because we will never, I don't want to be a, you know, a naysayer here, but we're never going to get it 
Paul says, I am not perfect. I, you know, I, I, we will never be perfect on this earth. Uh, but uh, so Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. So hallelujah. You know, when we die, we leave a lot of projects unfinished. We'll go into the shop and we'll see things that you meant to do and you never got around to it. Uh, not, not to make, it, make us lazy, right? Uh, but that's a, a wonderful and amazing reality. But, all that to say, we learn about God from his word. You can't just come up with, you know, plausible theories on your own uh, about who God is. We, we need to be dependent on his revelation. He is the one who describes things. And he says there is no reincarnation, for example. Um, so, Jesus says, what I'm talking about here is when you abide in me, you my words will abide in you. And look at this beautiful promise, verse 7, John 15. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. you know, as we abide in him, as his word abides in us, of course we're going to be asking for good things as we grow and mature. But he says, ask, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So how did Jesus decide who was going to receive the miracle supply on this event? It was those who stayed with him, who stuck it out. They stayed with him. Now, so that's point one, compassion. Point two is faith response. Kind of the theme of this passage. Again, we're going to go through this again, guys. Uh, here we are. And he says, I have compassion on them. And the disciples aren't feeling it quite so much, you know. Uh, they say, uh, verse 4, How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? They're off on the eastern side of, of the Sea of Galilee. There's, there's no safe way there at all. There is a Costco, but their hours you know, are limited. <laughs> no. no, there's nothing. <laughs> there's, there's virtually nothing out there. And, and that's what they see. They see the nothing, which is actually good. If they had just said, I, we see the nothing, but we remember like five, five weeks ago, we faced this same thing and you provided miraculously for the crowd. Jesus, what are you going to do? We think you're going to do it. But... I think, sadly, that's not here. Uh, once again, the disciples show their very humanness and they, sh they fall short on, on faith. Faith is the assurance of things unseen. You know, God wants us to trust him. Uh, let's, let's look at that passage. This is my major point. It's from Hebrews 11. You can't go wrong studying Hebrews, and it's also a good advice on how to get the coffee in your house. Hebrews, it's just an idea. <laughs> it's, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. 
We don't receive our commendation by not having faith. We receive it by having faith. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God. I love our psalm said, He created it by knowledge. Anywhere you look, in God's good creation, it, it demonstrates design and intelligence. And it, He created it by design and intelligence. It's cursed and broken, but there's still beautiful evidence of His understanding in the universe. He created by the Word, by the Word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. You know, guys, this is super important. Super important. When we come to the Bible, we're studying about somebody who has no limits. He's the infinite, supernatural God. So when there is no Safeway, there is no Costco, so what? We have Jesus. And he has unlimited capabilities. He, he doesn't even need the process, but he likes to work through process anyway. That's what the Bible's about. We're here to learn that God is the infinite, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient God. He's big. He's huge. He's bigger than that. To infinity and beyond, as Buzz Lightyear would say. Uh, I want to read just a couple more things here in verse uh, 4 of chapter 11 of uh, Hebrews by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was found because God had, he, he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Now, here's where I'm driving to. Verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he is and that he rewards those who seek him. Who received the compassion? Those who were with Jesus. They were seeking him. They stayed with him through thick and through thin. So the disciples are getting low marks on faith here. They, again, they, they fall short, which is kind of encouraging because we're in that position a lot. We, all, we often forget. And he's going to come alongside, come on, let's try this again. You can trust me. Uh, trust me again. Pray. One of the things that hit me, I, uh, I was visiting, uh, I was, we had a lady came to our church for a little while named Barbara Connolly. I don't know, many of, she'd sit sort of in the middle here, and she had some really massive strokes, and she's stuck in the Pacific Grove um, Convalescent Hospital right down the road here, down over there. Anyway, and I visit her, uh, not often enough, but every couple of weeks. And it's hard to visit her, because she's absolutely overwhelmed. I was with her about half an hour, and she was pretty much crying, lamenting the entire time. You know, what can I do? You know, I'm overwhelmed. Uh, I'm here to acknowledge, Barbara, you are overwhelmed, and I, I, I'm praying with you for release, that God would release you from this being stuck 
I told her there's two ways to be released here. You could be healed miraculously, would be pretty fantastic, or the Lord would take you to be with him. I don't know what the Lord will do, and I don't know when he will do it, but you know what? It's okay to be overwhelmed with her. You know, enter in, have compassion, and sit there and be overwhelmed. Now, honestly, I, I had a horrible thing. I do a lot of hospital visitation. It's kind of like one of my outreaches I do. And it, uh, a lady's husband died of a job, basically unexpectedly. He was like mid-70s and not healthy, but he just died, right? And she, they were in trauma room right. And... Uh, Two friends, two families, husband, wife, husband, wife, came in to, to love on this dear lady whose husband died, which is good. But they had so little training on grief management. Their whole thing was, you know what the Bible says? It's in Romans 12. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. So when you got a lady in here weeping, what should you do? Weep. You don't come in and say, Oh, come on, we're here to encourage you. He wouldn't, he, they were saying stuff like, like ganging up on her. He would want you to be strong. You know, I'm thinking, let her grieve. You know, have some compassion on her. And, and just acknowledge the trauma and the pain and be overwhelmed. I can't fix this. I can't raise him to, to life, you know, but I can be there and point her to Jesus and pray, but also to say, this loss, he's left a hole that will never be filled. That's true. You've been married to him like 60 years. Anyway, am I off on a tangent? No, not really. (laughs) We're going back to uh, compassion now. Uh, Let's have compassion and be overwhelmed, and that's okay. Faith is okay because I can enter in with faith and be overwhelmed and still know who has the answer. I don't have the answer. God does. We depend on him. I love the passage because it shows the strength of Jesus. Uh, He's not overwhelmed. He commands the crowd to sit down. Uh, I totally admire that in his leadership skills. And he's got a plan to feed them. And I just want to point out, this This is the final point. The, the, this is a story about compassion. I'm picking a few things to talk about here. Compassion, faith response, and finally, miraculous supply. We come to the God of miraculous supply. And he's demonstrating that he has all power to meet these folks' needs. And... Uh, this is a beautiful verse in Philippians. Uh, it says this, And my God, my God, my God, now I know where it comes from. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Notice, do you, you notice something here? It says, And he took the seven loaves and and said a Eucharistic prayer, having given thanks. That's the Greek word for uh, thanksgiving, Eucharist. He broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. Do you think the text hints at communion here? You know, 
Yes, of course it does. It's, it's pointing toward, yes, this is amazing, a miracle here. But here's Jesus breaking the bread and feeding the masses miraculously. It definitely, I think, and most everybody uh, who agrees, is that there's this communion, there's this Lord's table uh, implications here, that Jesus is the source of supply. He has the capacity to meet our needs. He's the one who is the bread of life himself. And, and in the bigger picture, our biggest need is salvation uh, through Jesus Christ. There's implications here of God supplying our needs. There's a great story in the Old Testament. Uh, you, you know it pretty well. It's when Abraham is called upon God to do this horrible thing, and that is to kill his son Isaac. And, uh, the, you know, they, he packs wood on his son, and they go to the, the mountain. Uh, which mountain is that? Mount Moriah. Yeah. If you go to Jerusalem, uh, they have the Dome of the Rock, which is a Muslim, uh, what do you call those things? Mosques, right? Uh, right where the temple of God was. And inside there, they believe they have the rock where this event occurred. That's why it's called the Dome of the Rock in English. But anyway, they, they make their way up there, and, and Isaac asks the obvious question. It's like, okay, we've got the wood, we've got the fire, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says the most beautiful words. He says, God will provide for himself the sacrifice. That's literally what he said. And then, as you know, he binds his son on top of the wood, and he's ready to plunge the knife into, into Isaac, whose name means laughter. He's going to kill the apple of his eye, the death of joy. Laughter will die on this temple, uh, this altar. And he's willing to obey God in this way. And fortunately, <laughs> he hears God's voice at this moment. And God stops him and says, you don't, okay, you don't have to do this. And he says, look behind you. And there's a, a ram caught in a bush. And, and he provided that sacrifice. Then he sacrificed this ram. And the words, this is from Genesis 22, the, the words are, so Abraham named, so Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. Jesus is providing for all of these thousands of people miraculously. The Lord will provide your needs. You just stay with him like a baby walrus. You won't figure it out, but, the, but God will provide your needs. And in English, um, this, this was Jehovah Jireh, uh, is this phrase, is right where you might have heard that before. The, the verb yeh, it's like yehra in Hebrew, uh, Yahweh, yehra. But it kind of sounds better to say Jehovah Jireh. Um, that's what this is. The Lord will provide. And it says, as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. So this text starts with compassion. Jesus has compassion on the crowd. He sees their needs. We should emulate him. We should be people of growing compassion. 
And he has compassion on those who abide with him, who stay with him. Then he tests his disciples. Will you guys come up with the right answer? No, they don't. Not this time either. Uh, But he is not deterred by this. In his commanding voice, with no microphone, gets 8,000 people to sit in an orderly way, gets these few bread, feeds them, feeds them the fish. Miraculously, God provides what they need. So that's my outline for today. Let's try this again. Let's have some compassion. Let's have a faith response to the issues in our lives. And let's just look for God's miraculous supply. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your compassion on us. Help us to stay with you, Lord, even when it's hard, when people might ridicule us and laugh at us. Help us to be like a baby walrus stuck by your side. Oh, Lord, as you will meet our needs. Lord, also help us to have compassion. The Word of God says as we have opportunity. And the Lord will give us opportunities to have compassion. Help us to be aware of them. Help them to see. Help us to see the opportunities and give us wisdom in response to them. And then faith response, oh Lord. Help us to respond in faith when you try us and test us. And then finally, Lord, we depend on your miraculous supply. Thank you, Lord, that you are the Lord who provides for yourself the sacrifice of Jesus for our sins. Amen.